Uh, the topic I want to talk about this morning is called the, the goal of instruction. And when I started off uh, kind of putting this together, um, I was thinking one way, and once I got into it, things started to pop up and different thoughts started coming to my head. And, uh, you know, when I, when I first started, when I was first became a Christian, uh, I wouldn't say I was a, a great Bible student. I would come to church and Sunday school class and listen to the preaching. And I would read a little bit, you know, on my own, read certain things. And I, I like to read Peter. I was I, I enjoyed reading uh, his letters, his epistles. Um, but I would call myself someone who would, would would go home and just pour over the scriptures and try to memorize scriptures. And you know, I would I would come to to uh, the church or different class, maybe visit different congregations, and there'd be uh, men and women who could just quote scriptures off the top of their head and you know that was never me I, I, I could never do that I, as, as I get more experienced and I get older and, and learn more I find that some of the things stick you know and I, and I can do it kind of naturally but uh, maybe that's the way most, most people learn how to do that that, 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 was, that was never me I also saw that uh, there were some individuals who would go to college and get degrees in Bible, get degrees in religion, whether it be at like Christian colleges or secular schools. Okay, I mean, there's a lot of schools of divinity, like the Ivy League. Several of the schools are, are colleges of divinity where you can get like. PhD level, doctoral levels in, in you know, learning the Bible. So, what I want to talk about this morning really is what is it all about? What is, what is the goal? Is it to become highly educated and knowledgeable uh, in the Bible as an historical book uh, or something else? Had Josh read from First Timothy uh, chapter one, the first five verses, and there Paul writes to Timothy. He says the aim of divine instruction, divine learning, scripture, is love that comes from a pure heart to develop love from a pure heart. Um, today we have real easy access uh, to learning. And because of that, we're all kind of think of ourselves sometimes as experts in different subjects. Um, maybe even professional students. When I mean a professional student, when I, when I say professional student, I don't mean someone who wants to learn through their lifetime, a lifetime learner. Professional student to me is someone who studies and studies and studies and doesn't put anything that they learned to any real serious use. Or when they do, they might put it to negative use or use their knowledge in a, in, in a negative way. Um, we have a lot of books in libraries. Um, the internet. The internet is something that wasn't around when 
when I was a kid. The internet is there now and other sources. And with the internet, you can just go on and click, 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 look up. This morning in, in, in class, we were talking about Job and we were discussing, well, well, you know, what was his background, et cetera. So I just went on my phone and clicked on Wikipedia. And found, I, I didn't mention any of the stuff that I, that I found, but there, there was a lot of information there about Job, okay, um, that we didn't, we didn't talk about. So just that quick, you can become kind of like knowledgeable and that sort of thing. Also, because of this, a lot of misinformation can be disseminated. Okay, I know with my wife, I, would, I you know, I, I, I would say, well, I learned it today, or I understood this to be true today. Well, how, how, how'd you find that out? Well, I looked it up on the internet. You know, well, everything on the internet's not true. Well, I understand that. <laughs> but the internet is a library, really, of sorts. If you go to like a, a brick and mortar library, everything in there might not be true either. So we have to look at, take things in perspective, I, I would think. Um, I also was, you know, found out or that back in old times, earlier times, that we didn't have access to all this information. That libraries were basically in the homes of rich people, okay? And it really wasn't until the printing press that uh, more common people had access to things. And there's, there's good and bad to that as well. One of the positive effects of that, we can study for ourselves. We're not beholden to you know, someone teaching us beyond a certain point. We can, we can look up things and study and learn for ourselves. So we have Bibles, we have study aids, and those kind of things can make us Bible literate. Okay? But the question I want to answer, what I want to talk about this morning is, is Bible knowledge an end in itself? So I have three, four topics that I want to go through and offer uh, you some information, and uh, then the lesson will be yours. Um, First off, Bible knowledge by itself is useless, okay? Uh, because knowledge is only a tool, okay? Like wrenches, like a laptop computer, okay? It's useless unless you put them to use, okay? I'm not a mechanic, I don't, I'm not, I can do some things like that, but I wouldn't call myself someone who is, where's my tools? I'm not like that. Um, but uh, I was given a set of wrenches. They're sitting in my, my house now. I very rarely use them. So basically, even though they're a great tool in, in the hands of someone who really knows what they're doing, they're great, but, but for me, I might get around to using them. There might be a purpose down the road. Who knows? We don't know. Um, we hold a lot, we hold classes, all, all congregations, all churches of any ilk, you know, they hold a lot of classes, they invite people to come in and study and, and to reason, but because you're holding a lot of classes doesn't necessarily mean that more godliness is going to be produced from those classes. Um, and a lot of times, 
professional Bible students can be a bane in the church. Okay. Um, even the scriptures speak to this in a kind of a way in Ecclesiastics. Uh, chapter 12, verses 11 through 14 says, Excessive devotion to books is weary to the body. And it's kind of interesting. Knowledge in and of itself also may produce a false sense of spirituality. Now, if you know a lot of things, you think, well, because I know these things, that I'm a spiritual person, when perhaps maybe you're not. Okay. Um, has anybody here ever known or heard about uh, well-versed members of the churches or congregations, uh, preachers, elders, uh, strong members, suddenly decide that, that the Bible teaching is not sufficient and kind of leave? I have. Okay. A lot of times it's shocking because you think, well, this person was, you know, so knowledgeable and so spiritual, and now they're gone. Okay, so I have to be careful of that. What is knowledge? Spiritual knowledge. Well, it provides us with information on how to live and please God. <coughs> how to live and please God. That's what First Thessalonians four one teaches and tells us. So, uh, in the scriptures, knowledgeableness is admonished. Um, have you ever heard of the word Gnostic? It comes from the Greek gnosis, and it means to know. Okay? Now, Gnosticism was a, a, a kind of a philosophy, uh, kind of taking scripture, Christian scripture and kind of combined it with the philosophical teachings of the philosophers of the day. They brought this into the church and infected the early church and their belief they believed in some sort of acquiring special mystical knowledge as a means for salvation meaning that what was taught in the scriptures wasn't sufficient enough. In order to be saved you had to have this elevated uh, sense of knowledge coming from you know a source other than scripture and Isaiah 521 warned about this uh, it says woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight you have to be careful about things like that you get puffed up and think well I'm smart and I know uh, Peter admonishes those who already know. As believers, we know. In Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, it says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to conform your calling and election. For if you practice these things, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. So, he's writing to Christians 
who believe. And he's saying here, be all the more diligent to conform, confirm your calling and election. Um, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So, spiritual knowledge is so we can understand him, keep his commandments. In 1 John 2.21, I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. So what John's saying here, as I see it is, the scriptures are written not to inform us, but to encourage us to conform. He said here in First uh, John, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, okay, but because you know it. So we need to examine our actions in the light of scriptures. Okay. Now knowledge, when it's put to use, what does that do for us? Just make us smarter. Okay. It helps us reach our destination. In uh, Philippians 3, 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of an upward call of God in Jesus Christ. And helping us reach our destination, and to me, is uh, I think when Paul talks about a race, uh, and I never really, I'd heard the analogy before, but I never really thought about it in, in, in a certain way. It, when I was in school, I was on track team, and I was a sprinter and a jumper. I wasn't a distance runner, but I had friends and teammates who were distance runners. And it didn't really matter how good you were. Okay, there were there were there was athletes who very efficient in running distance, cross country running a mile, running more than a mile, and finished with really good times. But whether it was the person who was really efficient in running, or it was the person who wasn't really that good who struggled to get around the track four or five times and, and get to the end. At the end, everybody was, they were all tired. They were all kind of beat. And when I think about the Christian walk, or running that the race, the announcement race, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. And even the most proficient, even the most knowledgeable, when they get to the end, you're going to be weary. You're going to want that time to rest. Okay. Knowledge produces a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. It produces perseverance and encouragement uh, that's taught in Romans 15.4. For 
whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, you might have hope. Through, incur- through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. So, it's for our encouragement to help us to endure. It causes us to follow good examples and avoid bad examples. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and also Philippians uh, 3, 17. I'm going to read both, but 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And Philippians 3.17, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So when we learn, when we study the Bible, you know, one of the things we want to get out of it is good examples that we want to follow and be able to avoid bad examples. It's just not an intellectual exercise. In Proverbs 10:17, he is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. So we want to learn. I'm not, I'm not knocking learning. I'm not knocking instruction. I'm just talking about the focus of our instruction and how we use that instruction, how we apply that instruction to our lives. And I'm not saying that knowledge is unimportant. And scriptures back that up. Again, in, in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 13, really embellishes learning and instruction. Take a hold of instruction and do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. And in Proverbs 5.23, he will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly will go astray. And in Proverbs 9.9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. So, we should desire instruction, we should pursue instruction in learning, but we shouldn't pursue it like some of the examples given to us like Ecclesiastes, where we're doing it for vanity or for vain glory as an intellectual exercise. And also, knowledge must be put in action. It was what we know, we have to use it and use it positively. Being able to uh, teach people in, or I say admonish is the word, being able to teach people and help people in a gentle, civil manner. Okay? So it says uh, in James, um, 218, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. So really, as faith without works is dead, so is knowledge without action is vain religion, I would think. Um, Like I said, putting this lesson together 
how we looked at learning, how we looked at, at knowledge in a, in a, in a different way. Um, I think we all want to consider ourselves intelligent. Okay, we all want to contribute both intellectually and help people learn, but that's the way that we go about doing it. Okay, what, when we, our, our biblical knowledge, our spiritual knowledge, how do we use that to help others, to, to, to facilitate our own personal growth, or to be puffed up and to be arrogant about it? So, that's all I have this morning. <laughs>